Look, Toronto City Councillors have voted on this pilot project. You're going to be able to start drinking in parks in August. And we're going to touch on that because there's some people concerned about the fact that uh, people will maybe drink a little bit more and things could get out of hand. But there's also talk about um, when the premier is going to live up to the promise that he made five years ago that alcohol and, you know, wine and beer, not spirits, but wine and beer will be sold in convenience stores. Somebody just asked him about that at his press conference uh, a couple of days ago. Here's what he had to say. Our goal is to make sure that there's beer and wine sold in, be it the, the big retailers and the convenience stores. So we're going to fulfill that promise. We've expanded it tremendously since we've been in office. Uh, and there's a certain percentage that we, we are able to hit. But at the end of the day, uh, we need to have convenience for the consumer. All right, need convenience for the consumer. Is that convenience possibly harmful, though? The Canadian Alcohol Policy Evaluation Project, it's also known as CAPE Project, released its third and latest report today, conveniently timed, and it evaluates alcohol control policies nationwide and in all 13 provinces and territories. And we here at home in Ontario scored a failing grade of 40%, down from 55% in 2019. Here to uh, break down the uh, report and talk a little bit about it, Dr. David Greitzer, who is a medical doctor and attending psychiatrist at CAMH. Welcome to the show. Good afternoon. Thanks for being here. So tell us a little bit about the report and what it shows, because we've got a failing grade. Why? Uh, Well, because we're not doing very well. Uh, Look, um, we appreciate uh, the Premier uh, talking on this issue, and we appreciate that it's complex. But from a public health perspective, we're very concerned about access to alcohol, especially when you talk about a game changer like expansion to convenience stores across this province. There's 7,500 convenience stores. If if the majority of them decide to uh, sell wine and beer, it's like a 250% increase in the availability in terms of stores for, for wine and alcohol. We think it's too much. Uh, the report, uh, which is uh, chaired by the University of Victoria, obviously input across the country, shows that you have to take alcohol seriously. You have to worry about the regulation and enforcement. And yes, the accessibility. It's not an innocuous substance, right? Who are you most concerned about? Underage or people with drinking problems? Yes. Both. (laughs) um, We are not advocating uh, that a person with no mental health problems can't have a beer on a Sunday, Sunday afternoon. Okay. What we worry about uh, is that there are vulnerable populations within our population. I especially am concerned, given the pandemic, you know, I've seen numerous patients who have been under incredible stress and turned to alcohol because of genetics, because of life circumstance. And we need to be cautious here. Okay, there's being cautious and then there's uh, being unreasonable in some people's books because the convenience store would say that we had the head on head of the convenience store association on yesterday. And he's saying, look, it's about time. We know how to vet people. We are pros at making sure that people produce ID because we've been selling things like uh, tobacco for years. You know, we have the gold standard on this. What do you say back to them? I appreciate their perspective, but this isn't about IDing kids and fishing out the the fake IDs amongst them. This is about access to a substance that's addictive, that's linked to cancer, heart disease, and a variety of other things. And when you make it super accessible, I mean, 
I'm working in downtown Toronto. You have so many street corner stores now selling wine and beer. You're going to have an impact on people's health. And that's what we saw in British Columbia and Alberta when they did this. Okay. And and how much did it go up? What impact uh, on people's health did you notice? Sure. So British Columbia would be a case in point. So again, it was a liberalization. I uh, saw it in convenience stores. The convenience store lobby was very happy. But from a public health perspective, you also saw a significant increase in alcohol consumption. You also saw more people with alcohol problems. And by the way, you also saw more alcohol-related deaths. Same thing in Alberta. In Alberta, you also saw a rise in suicides. Again, I'm not suggesting that we adopt the prohibition of of the 1920s of the United States, but I am saying that we need to think very carefully through addictive substances and where they're sold and how they're regulated. We can all agree that we need to do this with tobacco. We would suggest alcohol also is disconcerting, and we don't want to see a massive expansion in availability. Well, some people would argue, Dr. Greitzer, this is a legal substance, Um, you know, stop policing us. What do you say to that? I would say so is tobacco, right? So again, what we're not suggesting here is that you not be able to find alcohol anywhere. In fact, alcohol is quite available in Ontario. Uh, perhaps some would argue it's a bit too available at this mm-hmm. point. Uh, but I, I would suggest that this, is, this isn't this is a small change. This is a game changer. Okay, We're not talking about a few more stores. We're talking about thousands of stores across the province at the very moment when we know alcohol consumption has gone up because of the pandemic. You know, the first months of the pandemic, there was a 38% increase in alcohol sales. We want to be cautious here. We want yeah, but to I would argue, I, gotta, yeah. I, I was one of those people that walked in and said, I'm going to buy a case of wine and I never do that. I'd argue that it wasn't people drinking more during the pandemic. They were just stocking up just in case things went south. I think it's a bit of both. Fair. Okay. But I work in the emergency department here. I can't tell you how many more times we're seeing people with substance, including things like crystal meth and fentanyl, but, but, but as well, alcohol. Look, there's been stress. Uh, and when there are times of stress, people turn to substances, and we need to be cautious about that. And this is but not the moment to dramatically expand access. I know, but I feel like that was really a dramatic leap. And you're right. You're the doctor. You work in the ER. But to compare alcohol to crystal meth and fentanyl, look, I enjoy drinking, but I'm not touching crystal meth. I wouldn't know where to get it. I wouldn't know where to get fentanyl. <laughs> okay. I mean, it's like, so, come on now. Okay. So you, you, you win the debate, but I, I think I might still have some pretty good arguments here. Of course, we wouldn't compare. My comment was Mm -hmm. that there are vulnerable populations within our overall population and that over the pandemic, unlike at other points in recent years, they have disproportionately turned to substance. And some of them you read a lot about, okay? But in fact, alcohol is a much larger issue in our society than we like to acknowledge. Last year, there were 330,000 people who showed up to an emergency room uh, because of an alcohol-related problem. So. So, so, so uh, and alcohol is, uh, is connected with cancer. Even the concept of a healthy amount of alcohol is, is now coming out of fashion. Know, it, so, doesn't, yeah. it doesn't work. Apparently, there is none. It makes well, me sad every time I pour that glass of wine. So I don't mind you pouring a glass of wine, but I worry about my patient whose father had an alcohol use disorder and his grandfather had an right. alcohol use disorder and his difficulty coping. And for that individual, I actually do want to make it a little bit harder for him to reach for the substance that is quietly killing him. Okay, so that's a good point, and I'll leave it at that because I think that's a good mic drop point. If we were looking for a, 
a little soundbite. That's it right there. Um, but let's talk very quickly about drinking in parks because this is a pilot project that's going to happen. I don't love it. Um, I have a feeling that this is going to increase the amount of alcohol that is consumed as opposed to just leaving it off the books and letting people decide if they want to kind of quietly sneak a drink at a park. What are your thoughts on this pilot in Toronto? I'm ambivalent. Like you, I, I, I wonder. Um, there's less evidence that it would drive up consumption than you know access and, and convenience stores. I, I do worry about it. I think, again, overall, I'd rather see us, as we've done with tobacco, have more restrictions with time, not less. Uh, if police choose not to heavily enforce, that's one thing. But, you know, we've got a problem with substance in our society. Um, and it's particularly affecting those who have mental health problems. I think, yeah, we ought to spend more money on, on rehabilitation services and, and, and so on. But maybe we could also do a bit of prevention. All right. Well, listen, Dr. Greatster, it's been excellent talking to you. I was going to say great talking to you, but that's a little redundant. Um, and I, I appreciate your time. You have put together a good case for keeping alcohol out of convenience stores. Look, I, I appreciate your perspective and I appreciate a good debate. We got to be cautious here. We, you know, we want convenience to consumers, but we also need to have a healthy, vibrant population, particularly for our kids, right? Yeah, yeah, it's helpful. That's for sure. Got to give kids a chance. What will somebody think of the children, Doctor David Greatsler? It's been fascinating talking to you. Thank you so much, and we'll talk again soon. Cheers. Cheers, medical doctor and attending psychiatrist at CAMH.